Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. And we came fifth, which is like the wooden spoon. Well, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be, be the one who wakes up next to the Calcutta Cup, duty. When I go out. You finish fifth, you finish fifth, which is like the wooden spoon. Hello and welcome along to this week's Rugby Pod brought to you by our friends at Guinness and what an epic final weekend it was at the Guinness Six Nations. Uh, we're coming to you a little bit later in the week than usual, aren't we, Jim? You've been... 500 miles an hour Did you walk 500 miles to the Calcutta Cup all the way back up to Scotland? Is that what happened? Is that why we're late? Why do you think I'm late? I mean, let's cut all the bullshit out because we're never going to hear the end of this about the Calcutta Cup. And yeah, you still haven't won at Twickenham since mate, 1983. Yeah, just for fa- mate, that's don't, factual. Don't, that's factual, yeah, yeah, James. You can't get, no, you're factual. You can't, <laughs> you can't keep going back. Now, you're the one who kept saying, like, I was in a car with you in a Mitsubishi for two, fucking coming home. You messaged me saying, keep it under, we better keep it under 100 points. Oh, did I say that? Yeah, and I put it on Twitter so everyone saw it. So I am so happy. I'm literally beavering all week. I'm literally beavering. Beavering. Yeah, beavering? Like, as in under the decks and just loving life. What? What do you mean you're under the decks? Uh, no, what? peacocking. Fuck. Yeah. There you go, peacocking. Uh, I've been peacocking You've all been week. Beavering. Who have you been beavering? I've been, I've been peacocking <laughs> no. all week. Said, Look at me. I mean, I've got my suit What's on. The, what is with this horrible brand? Brown blazer. At what point have you bought a brown blazer and gone, fuck, that looks good? I should probably give a shout out to Apsley's Tailors. They said, Jim, you won the Calcutta Cup. We'll make you a bloody suit. A we'll make you suit. whatever you want. A shit coloured suit. You look like a beaver. Thank you. I like beavers. Not as much as I loved being at the game on Saturday. Pitch side, zero to hero. Who, you? The boys. Oh, well, I thought you were claiming it again. They're getting absolutely smashed. I'm by the pitch half time. As they walk in, I touch them all on the shoulder and look what happens. Well, Eddie got involved at half time, didn't he? And Eddie Jones, what have you said at half time? It's nothing to, to do with boys? Eddie. It's all to do with Eddie. Have you heard what he said? Do you guys have any idea? Or? Uh, no. Or do you know what? we speculate? No, should we just speculate? A couple of players. We're going to pull. We're, we're, fucking, we're going to pull the pants down. We're going to pull the pants down. And uh, is, he, is yeah. Eddie Jones a cockney all of a sudden? Well, I don't know what? what he is, mate. But all I know is he's saying that pants are getting pulled down. Wait, who, who had the pants pulled down? In the second half, England did. When Sam Johnson went through... What a try. He's pulled a pair of knickers down, he's put them in his mouth, he's swallowed them, he's shat them out, then he's put them back on, he's put them on Nathan Hughes's head, gone under the sticks, and I am Scotland till I die. I was English <laughs> at half-time, I was giving, giving the boys a wink on the England bench, just to let them know I was there, and then that was it. I'm there, I'm cuddling Cookie the kit man. Is to, I'm motorboating him. I'm literally. <laughs> he's got massive knockers, by the way. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's got like bad like boots as well. Uh, I actually might have been motorboating him from the back, <laughs> which is pretty weird. <laughs> what a week! But Eddie, apparently, rumours have come out from the England camp that the week leading into the game, he lost uh, Eddie, the Jones, rooms. Eddie Jones doesn't learn. So he flogged them last year in the Six Nations. He absolutely rinsed them in training last week, and then you wonder why there's a drop off in the second half. So disrespectful, Eddie. Since we lost to Wales, apparently he's gone mad on training. The amount of um, high-intensity metres they're doing. Ridiculous, apparently. The stats have come out and boys have reported back oh, to... to I, you. I can't tell you. <laughs> boys have reported tell. back to you. Mm. No, 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 it's Mate, gone, What did Elliot Daly say to you? Elliot, I haven't spoken to Elliot. It's other people via other people. But flogged. Absolutely flogged. Good. And then you have a drop-off in the second half when you're 31-0 up, 31-7, and you're lucky. we're lucky to get that win. Do you call it a drop Say again. Sorry, <laughs> We were lucky to get the draw. <laughs> lucky to get the draw. Say again, you, you were lucky. 
in the, in the second half, we were lucky to get the draw, yeah. You're bloody right you were. And it was robbed. Cur- we were robbed. You weren't robbed. We weren't. Because we took the Calcutta Cup back home, so there was no robbery. <laughs> I love it. They're celebrating like oh, they've won the game. Quite, where did you finish in the Six we, Nations, We effectively Jim? did win the game. Where did like, you finish in the Six Nations, We Jim? took the Cup back. Where did you finish in the Six Nations? Six Nations is England, over. Where did England finish? Six Nations is over. Where did England finish last year? Mate. And you've been going on about, oh, England won the wooden spoon last year. They effectively won. You shit. You came fifth, Jim. Good. How can you say that? Because you came fifth. It's, it's fucking coming home. It's it's fucking, it's you're right, it's coming home. There's a league table. Oh, so anyway. proud. So proud. In all seriousness, one of my proudest moments as a Scotsman, both as a player, which obviously ain't that difficult, but also as a fan. Genuinely, I didn't think they'd win. I know they didn't win. You generally thought they'd lose by how many, honestly? No, I didn't. You did. I didn't. I said said last week (laughs) that I think they're going to shock people with their performances. Let's just say we won. It felt like we won. We've got the Calcutta Cup back. We effectively won the game. It went from half-time where Goody's texting me saying, what's going on? Ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, mate, keep it under 100. To the absolute point where I thought, this is unbelievable. What an unbelievable turnaround. I don't know what's been said at halftime. There's talk of Finn offering out Tooney, you know, arguing about who's got the worst lid. And it is. Did you, did you go in at halftime and give an arousing speech again, James? Well, I touched, I touched one of them on the shoulder cloth? as they, they came in. They were touching cloth? or I imagine they were. I imagine, that is one of the most embarrassing first half of rugby I've ever witnessed. I'm there at halftime. I'm doing this stuff for the TV. What can you say? It's embarrassing. What did you say? I said it was embarrassing. And it's the way they turned it around. It was I've never seen anything like it in my life, ever. I wonder what was said at half-time. Well, we can catch up with the star of the show for Scotland now. Finn Russell's on the line. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks. I'm good, you? Finn, I bet you are. Did you feel me touch you as you walked in to the change rooms at half-time? Did you feel the energy or not? I think I must have, yeah. <laughs> what was said at half-time to make such a dramatic turnaround? I guess you've probably been asked that question a million times already by now, but yeah. can you give us some insight? Basically, what we, what we need to know is, did you try and have a scrap with Gregor Townsend? No. <laughs> <laughs> at half-time, obviously, things weren't working for us, so there was going to be kick a little bit more, I suppose, or an ad didn't exactly. I thought, no, we can't kick it because we've not had the ball. We need to run it more. But then I was saying in the first half, whenever we tried to run it, we were just getting, we weren't accurate, we were getting hammered, and they were just flying out of line at me. So uh, I was kind of stuck in two minds whether or not to find do we play a head for the game and kick it, or do we just keep the ball in hand and have a go at them? And I think, I suppose England got kind of caught being so far ahead, they almost switched off a little bit. So I think the, oh, the one of the messages Gregor made at half time was just go out there and win the second half. So whether that was by three points or, uh, you know, or 30 points, that we, we, just, we were just targeting a win in that second half to kind of come away and say, we weren't good in the first half, we had a better second half, so... I was there, I was pitch side, and if we're speaking frankly, I don't know what it was like as players on the pitch there. You know, I've been there many a time where it's been yeah. quite embarrassing, but you're there. The way that England played in that first half, what, what were you thinking? Were you thinking, holy fuck, we're fucked here? You know, like, because you can just... It, they were just relentless, weren't they, with the way they were playing? And they said they were going to play like that. That was in the in the media, in the build-up. So was it, as a player, did it almost feel like an impossible task? Oh, yeah, they came out quick, obviously. They saying they were going to come out quick. So I can expect them to come out quick, just not as quick as that. You know, anytime they got the ball, they pretty much ran through us. Anytime we had the ball, they were just smashing us. Well, we didn't really have anything. They were, they were, I thought they were outstanding in the first half. But I suppose me first, on the, after the first half and during the first half, I was just, I was almost just a bit lost. I think everyone was like that. We were kind of shell-shocked. But, um, well, we hadn't really done anything. We hadn't thrown a shot at them yet. We hadn't defended well. We hadn't done anything. So we kind of thought if we... Um, I suppose if we get our game back together, we can still cause them a lot of troubles. I, I think um, we were just all over the shot first half. 
Yeah, now, uh, Finn, as you, as you know, I'm, I'm a very proud Englishman and I know you're a very proud Scotsman, but I've got to ask you this question. Why the hell do you raise your game so much to play against England? Because the last two years, you've literally pulled our pants down single-handedly. Do you love playing against England that much and do you hate us that you, it brings out the best in you? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think our second half, this game especially, I, I think England kind of didn't put as much pressure on me. had a little bit more time on the ball. Um, and boys kind of got in our shape better and more accurate, I think. Like kick chase and everything we did, we had had more intense and more um, more accuracy. I thought it was just good. But um, yeah, I love playing against England. You know, number number two or three in the world, I think. So you know, it's great to go against these teams against the best guys in the world. And there's obviously a little bit of rivalry there with England and Scotland. So they're great games for for a Scotsman to go and play. And maybe it does bring the better best out in us. So. And do you have a, I heard you had a bit of a conversation with Eddie Jones after the game. Any any banter from Eddie or was he? No, it was fine. It was just brief because uh, he was. He was heading up to give an award out in the aftermatch, and uh, and I was just standing at the bar, Greek. Um, so just a brief chat as he was walking past. So it wasn't it wasn't too much. What did he say? Uh, how are you going? <laughs> and then, uh, what did you say? Very well, Eddie. Thank you very much. It's <laughs> uh, been better for one again, but but um, no, nah, it was uh, yeah, it was fine. I just had a quick chat, and he was getting on. I saw I was getting on it, and enjoying France and stuff. So just yeah, kind of brief chat about, about rugby and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm just getting on, Eddie. You make million pound a year Lamborghini. Yeah, it's all right. It's hard to say. <laughs> uh, but, but, Aston Martin. Mate, it is an Aston Martin. Yeah, we should give them a shout. I saw that. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so just you personally, apparently you played with a broken cheekbone, Finn. I mean, I've played a few times with a broken cheekbone. No biggie. But uh, for you, is that true or not? Uh, I fractured it the week before the fans game when I played against uh, La Rochelle. Ah, so, that's when, so when you missed... Against Toulouse. Yes, yeah, so when you missed yeah, France yeah. game. Was it because of the ch- uh, fractured cheek or concussion? Yeah, yeah. Fractured cheek, so... Let's talk. Let's talk about France. And obviously, the move uh, over to Paris has uh, suited you. The way you play, the way the team plays, you know, that 4G pitch that you've got at the La Défense Arena. You are absolutely loving life in your Aston Martin, the the high life of Paris over there, aren't you? Oh yeah, I'm loving it. It's good. It's different to, to Glasgow. I do love. I'm back in Glasgow just now, actually. But no, it's different to Glasgow um, for me. I think Glasgow was, was great. But um, I think moving to Paris, everything that there is. The club's got the facilities are amazing, and the stadium's incredible as well. So I think it's got everything like that for me. It's, the city goes all the time, so there's always stuff to do. So I think as well as well as rugby, like the lifestyle out with out, out with the rugby has, has been great for me. So I'm enjoying like my life in, in rugby and out with it. You been out to Pink Paradise yet? You you found that place? Nah, not being there, what is it? Well, uh, <laughs> here find, we find it, mate, find it. I know the owner, I can get you in. <laughs> so, Finn, we mentioned how well you're doing in, in, in Paris, in France. I spoke a little bit about, you know, this six-day turnaround that you had and couldn't play in that France game. We now know that it wasn't concussion, it was uh, a cheekbone. How was it for you personally? You knew, obviously, signing for Paris that that was going to be the case. Do you have any thoughts on that now, knowing... What happened during the Six Nations? You missing that France game and probably not being in the best shape possible, having any rest weeks? No, nah, I think it's fine. I think um, I, like you know what you sign up for when you're when you're going. Well, when I went to go and play in France, so I kind of knew that I'd play more games. I'd play between between the tests and stuff. So no, it wasn't too bad for me. I, like I said, I knew I knew what to expect. So I think mentally I was in a different mindset. I think when I was at Glasgow, when you play a few games, you got to get a weekend off. So I, I felt towards uh, the end of my career at Glasgow. It was, you're almost you're not you're not looking forward to the weeks off, but you know you're going to get one soon. So it's almost it's hard to say focus if you're if you're on and off the whole time. You know if you're playing two games and you get a weekend off, or you sometimes you might play four or five games and get a weekend off. So it was different. It was hard to stay. 
for me, I need to stay focused uh, week, week in, week out. Whereas over here, it's you know I've got maybe ten games in a row, so I'm thinking I'm going to play till the end of the season. So I'm in a mindset where I need to play well every week, week in, week out until the end of the season, rather than thinking, all right, I'll have maybe three big games and we've got an easier team coming up, so I'll get that weekend off, which is good for me. Good stuff, mate. Well, wish you all the best for the rest of the season, uh, especially in the Champions Cup quarterfinal in a couple of weeks against Toulouse. I know they did you over up there in the, earlier in the season, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went off at half-time with injured cheeks, so hopefully I'll stay on the, stay on the pitch the whole game this time. And that's why Racing lost. There we go. Thanks, Finn. <laughs> Finn, cheers, mate. It's, the cup's, it's fucking home. It's home again. Oh, God, I'm loving it. Cheers, Finn. See you soon, mate. Thank you. <laughs> Good lad. Shit, mate. Hell of a bush as well. Has well, he grown it in it, France or...? Well, I hadn't seen it. Yeah, I tried to look at the weekend and just to see uh, what was. How do you try and look? Well, just to look at the. I oh, know. Okay, yeah, Matt, I know. Yeah, you do know. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah, Jokonier. Uh, so, what? Hello, lad. What did you just say? Jokonier. Who's Jokonier? No, Jokonier. Jokonier. Oh God. Jokonier. What Jokonier? God. What <laughs> would we do without Finn? Eh? Mm. Well, you'd probably be as good as the Scottish football team. You've just lost 3-0 to Kazakhstan. So fucking stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Well, if you want to lose to anyone, you want to lose to Kazakhstan, <laughs> do you not? <laughs> hey. High five! It is nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, well, what can we say? Finn, absolute legend. And as I said, they're not bothered. As long as they beat England, which effectively they did. They didn't. Mate, we took the cup home, good. Can you apologise to the, the Scottish public or not? Well, you said it was going to be 50 points. Yeah, I, I thought... You're a disgrace. Hold Can on. Can you say sorry? Hold on. I'm sorry for England's second half performance. Sorry, so, for, sorry for being horrible to, to I'm Scotland. I'm sorry that I said what everyone was thinking, including yourself, young James. No. That England should have won that game and were probably going to win that game and put 50 points on Scotland. And you agreed with me, but Scotland pulled a rabbit out of the hat in that second half. England switched off. Everything Finn Russell touched turned to gold. And they, they, they probably deserve to win in the second half. You heard it here. Mate, how good was Sam Johnson's try, by the oh, way? That well, is I mean, a worldie, eh? Yeah, I, mean, we, I know we just spoke to Finn. Oh, we should have asked him where he was looking. I know we just spoke to, to Finn, but Nathan Hughes is in the defensive line. Why are you being horrible to Nathan Hughes? I'm not, I'm just Why saying, saying I'm, I'm talking Finn Russell up here. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm talking Finn Russell up. Yeah. So Finn, ball player, and what he said there was they stood off him a little bit in the second half. So Finn goes to the line, plays around with the ball, shows the ball, shows his eyes one way, Pops the ball the other, sucks Nathan Hughes out the line like you wouldn't believe. If Nathan Hughes doesn't fly out the line, try and belt Finn Russell, because that's what you want as a 10. You want to pick someone out, bang, that tries to break your ribs, because you know then there's a hole either side of him. Johnson picks the line, and then the first bit of the line, outstanding. Finn Russell with his lion eyes looking well, one Where's way. he looking? Where's Finn looking? He's looking out the back. No, he's looking at me. He's looking at me on the sideline. <laughs> oh, he's looking at me. And I give him thinking, the nod. And he's probably thinking, thank fuck I don't play with that clown anymore. Um, but <laughs> anyway, he's hit Johnson on the short ball. Great line. How good is he, by the way, Johnson? And then, how good was his finish? Mate. I mean, Finn creates the hole and Johnson runs the line. But then there's about four ring defenders that don't tackle him. Or Best finish or not? Can't tackle him. Best finish of the championship in context yeah, of... Yeah, 100%. Thank you. I can't think of a better finish in the championship in the context of... The yeah, players the, he's the beaten. history, the players he's beaten. There was Jack Noel back there, Elliot Daly, Johnny May was there. I mean, you might as well list the whole team. He was. He's awesome. How good was his tackle in the first half? He on was Manu? smashing Tuilangi. He was fucked after that as well. I've never seen Manu get hit like that yeah. ever. Proper chop, bang, yeah. stopped at the game line. Johnson was amazing. He's an Aussie. He's not, mate. He's Scottish. Why are you, why are you being so <laughs> anti-Scottish for? He's Scottish. 
Well, That's like me saying you're English and you're like, no, not, no, I'm, I'm not English. I'm Scottish. Why are you being horrible? Well, you're horrible. You said he's an Aussie, but he's your best Scotland player at the minute. So him Very and Finn. Good. And how good Darcy Graham? Told you, told you. But all, you know, it came from Finn's lovely float of pass. Johnny May, what are you doing? What are you flying in off the wing for? Who are you well, going oh, in to take? I get it. He's flying. <laughs> so he flies in. Finn floats another beauty over the top. Yeah, Darcy Graham was. I, no, his finish was good, mate. He punches. So what? What's your is Seventy clicks. Matt, I said. You know, he's like one, one of my legs and half my arm. He's like Shane Williams, weight. right? And I know it's obviously a huge statement, but the way that he plays, but with power. I watched him and I commentated on his game against Toulon and he's made J.P. Peterson look stupid, both aerially and crash ball. It'd be interesting when everyone's fit now, wouldn't it? it he'll be, he's a starter now. So you're back three? Well, obviously Hoggy. Yeah. I think you've got Darcy. You've got Seymour when he's fit because of the way that he plays. Yep. If he can get back to the levels that he was before the Lions... King Horn can play on the wing yeah. also. Maitland. Maitland's, I would say, in that setup, is probably your first choice. So you're saying your back three, your first choice back three, if everyone's fit, is Hogg, Maitland, and Graham. Darcy Graham. I love Matt, I love him. I love I love the way that he plays. We met his little brother, didn't we? At, we um, did. Hoyt Hoyt school. Hoyt school, yeah. yeah. That sounds weird, but context, we bought them. Calcutta Cup down with for a week. Issue, so we, we stopped yeah, off we, at we, school. We bought, bought it down for a week. But yeah, no, loads to it. Farrell's hit. Mate, two Langies hit. How's Farrell got away with that hit? Oh, <sighs> regardless, right? Regardless, it's a yellow okay, card every day. It's a week. yellow card. Yeah. It's reckless. Rega- yeah. Okay, but it's not the fact that you put it in slow mo. It looks a lot worse. His shoulder connects with his head. I don't think it. Do- I think it's just underneath. Okay, well, oh, it's borderline. It's border, but which okay. is why I'm saying it's a yellow, not a red. No, that's why I'm saying it's a yellow. Yeah, like I'm not saying it's a red card. I'm saying it's a yellow yeah. card. Same with Manu's one that I put on Twitter, and people are like, oh, he didn't get sighted. Why? Are you t- I wasn't talking about a bit sighting him. To get sighted, it has to be a red card offence. He's taking his head off. He's, which just under, isn't it? But there's no you arms. Can't see, there's no other view. You're only looking yeah. at. But there's no arms in the tackle in Manu's one, and it leads to a try. Yeah. So I think yeah, Manu's one is a yellow. You know, it's the ball right at the top of the line out. First Manu, time, first time Scotland have basically got into England's half. Yeah, Manu's seen it and thought yeah, Smokesville's coming here because he's been smoked. Yeah, already. And there's no you know technique in that. He's, that's a swinging arm shoulder. And he's, he's very lucky not to rip his head off. But that's a yellow card tackle in this day and age. What have you guys made of um, Eddie Jones talking about the mental hangover since the 2015 World Cup, bringing in a psychologist? I mean, it's one of those things. When I used to do body fat tests at rugby clubs I was at or the weigh-in and whatever, I'd find an excuse. You know, why are you over 100 kilos? I've got my phone in my pocket, my wallet. My... You find an excuse and you tell lies. <laughs> And then you're like, the truth comes out. Yeah, okay, I'll put some weight on. Yeah, I had loads of water for breakfast. Whatever. Eddie Jones, why did we lose that game? Oh, I'm just going to think of something, make something up and say, oh, I've got a hangover from the World Cup three and a half years ago. Four players. Is that what he said? Yeah. I didn't even say it. So the lads have got a mental block from what happened at the World Cup. They're scarred from three and a half years ago. Four players started against Scotland, who started against Wales and Australia. Four players. So for Eddie Jones to say, oh, there's a, there's a mental hangover, there's a mental block on it, and, you know, they're scarred. It, you know, the most ridiculous thing I've heard, Eddie Jones has said some ridiculous things. That's crazy. We went on a run of 18 games unbeaten. And when you've got only four players that started those two games in the World Cup, Australia and Wales, starting now, there's no hangover. Eddie talks about lack of leaders, leadership and all this stuff. And when our power game works, it works well. And Owen Farrell's captain. When Owen Farrell's on form, everything's fine. When Owen Farrell doesn't have his best game... And let's not forget, he plays at Saracens that win 90% of their games. And when he plays, it's probably higher. So necessi- he doesn't necessarily have to go to a plan B. 
They have Saracens play the way they play. It's damn effective. They rarely lose. So he doesn't often in a game think have to think about other stuff and, and need to change the way we're playing. So that's what in the same mentality for England, this power game. So when you've got, you look at the team, the axis of a team is hooker, a second row, and these are meant to be, so the line-out call is the intelligent one, that's why Jim never did it. Uh, the hooker, the number eight, scrum off, fly off, and inside centre. They're kind of your brain's trust of a rugby team. So you look at the, the England team, Jamie George at hooker, Saracen's not used to losing. Power game works week in, week out, pretty much. Second row, you've got Cruz and Launchbury. You know, again, Cruz, brilliant in terms of a line-out. Is he a tactician around the game? Not sure. Billy at number eight. Billy's there, the big ball carrier. Doesn't really need to think about the game because he's so good. They can just run over people, run through people. Ben Young's out of form a little bit at nine. Owen Farrell, then Manu Tualangi at 12. Manu's not a thinker of the game. He's an unbelievable specimen. A rugby player that just runs over people and, and smashes people. China. Yeah. So where, in terms of the brain's trust, now then, then you look deeper into it and you go, Eddie Jones' coach, he's an autocratic leader. What's that? Basically someone that's his way or the highway. Eddie Jones, I don't think he's someone that will delegate power down to players necessarily. Now, if you think further into that, Dylan Hartley was his captain for a long, long time. How many people thought Dylan Hartley on form should have been in the team? Not me. Not many. So, Dylan Hartley is captain, great leader within the group, but is he ever going to challenge Eddie Jones? You, know, you think back to the Six Nations last year or whenever when the boys were getting flogged. Is anyone there challenging Eddie Jones? Because they know people that challenge Eddie, he just bins them off, just gets rid of them. So, then you look deeper into it and you go... They haven't had a plan B. They haven't gone, you know, Wales, Scotland. They haven't been able to change the way they're playing because they haven't got these leaders. Eddie Jones moans about not having leaders. That's a direct representation of how he manages the group. So you can't be this headmaster, teacher, pupil relationship and then expect to generate leaders within a group that you're not giving power to. And it goes back to when Eddie Jones got the job. Everyone said for two years it'll be great, it'll up the standards, then the wheels will come off. And they did. And now we're just battling to stay in there because... You, know, you look at Eddie Jones and you think, none of the boys are going to slag him off or say things against him. Yet. He's not picked Cipriani because he knows that Cipriani would challenge him. Doesn't want to be challenged as a person, as a coach. Farrell is now his leader. But when Farrell's not on form, and he tries to, Farrell tries to take on the world. So when things aren't going his way, he will try and fix everything himself. Which as a leader, you think, right, if I can't do it, no one else can. But you also need a foil in there, someone else with a bit of intelligence. Or, you know, you've got, say you've got, he doesn't trust George Ford. He can't do because he doesn't bring him on. He's basically just there a backup if Farrell gets injured. Didn't bring him on against Wales. Well, he brought him on against England. Scotland. So, sorry. Yeah. He, he brought them on against Scotland. Eight minutes at, at the end of the game. Well, when. But the issues were a lot earlier in that second half. Yeah, well, still, Farrell lost his shit, though. But yeah. And that shows that he obviously does rate Ford enough to bring his captain off. Yeah, but I don't think he fully trusts him. Whereas if you've got a plan B and you've got Cipriani in the bench and you've got someone that can is a real thinker of the game and can formulate and change a game and look at the way Cipriani bosses Gloucester around the field. Yeah, you then can move Farrell to twelve and you've got yeah, you know, someone that understands the game, understands how to attack the game line. You watch Farrell in that second half, he just stood five, six metres off the game line and just delivered yeah, long yeah, balls. They were completely shell shocked, weren't yeah. they? Yeah, so there's a load of different layers to it for me. I don't think Eddie Jones is... He's moaned about not having too many leaders in the group, but I think that's because of the way he manages and they don't feel that they can be a, a leader. They don't have ownership of the team unless you're just Dylan Hartley or just Owen Farrell right now. It's not an environment that promotes leaders to, to sprout up. Eddie Jones ain't the right man for England. 
he's not. Well, he is now for the World Cup, because well, that's what we've got, well, but well, after he, that. Well, he has to be, but he's not the right man. You look at you look at the players they've got on offer, you look at the way that he fronts the team, the way he speaks to the media, players that he leaves out. He knows rugby more than me and Goody in terms of his knowledge, I'm sure. That's why he is where he is and getting paid the amount of money. But you look at Kokonasinga, leaving him should out have, of the way. Should have had him on the bench. Yeah, the way that he goes about that, the whole Cipriani saga, the whole thing around Hartley being captain at the time where he wasn't the best hooker. You look at it and... It's Eddie's way. Yeah, it's just, and I just, I, I, you know, there's obviously talk of Gatland taking over. You know, England have got the best players, I think, in the world to choose from. I really do. I think the pool of players that they've got and the talent they've got coming through, you know, England sh- should be a team that are competing every single year. What do you think Eddie would have had to say about Teo and Bonapola? Well, if that was Cipriani, he'd never play for England again. Exactly. That's all I know. Exactly. <laughs> Honestly, that is probably the thing, though. But that's not saying that there's anything wrong with what they've done. They've gone out and probably got absolutely smashed and feel like they won the game. That's what happens when you have 10 points. <laughs> I've got no problem with people going out. Nah, the, the, only, the only thing is, if you look at it in terms of it's the end of the Six Nations, a couple of lads are going out and smashed. They, they had a team night out afterwards in Bunga Bunga down towards Battersea. Bunga Bunga? Yeah. So they're in there. And I'm presuming, I'm reading between the lines here, but I'm presuming Eddie's way, because he's a headmaster... Yeah, we're all going out, we all go home together, we all get on the bus together, we're part of a team. That's great when you're in a Six Nations, but as a headmaster, school teacher sort of thing, if you restrain the lads completely, like the lads have, have, have just battled for weeks and weeks and weeks and been in camp, they've probably lived you know, a whiter than white lifestyle in terms of what they're eating, what they're drinking. Just let them off the ropes. Just let them go. Yeah, they've made about 130, 140 grand. I yeah. mean, just let them go. But I don't, so has he, have they gone against team protocol? I'm not coming back together. That's probably what it is. Is there anything in the fact that Tio and uh, and Villapolo have gone out and got absolutely belted and had a good night out? What's wrong with that? Have a bit of fun. Maybe Eddie, you should try that, son. Does Eddie just not trust them to be able to go out and have a big control night freak. together? He's obviously a control freak. And, you know, it's one of those things, you sign up for a team code of conduct or whatever, again, your leader, Owen Farrell, ain't going to be the one that's leading the charge on the piss, is he? Because he's an ultimate pro. Doesn't mean to say other boys can't go out on the lash and get absolutely blutted. Here, here. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Speaking of Scotland, I told a story about the legend that is Geoffrey Bungle on our Superfan subscription service on Patreon.com. And we thought we'd play you a quick clip of that right now. I'm not a religious man but I've never believed in something more deeply than I did that day. Do not pass the ball to our backs. They are shite. Just kick the fucking thing and hope for the best. We were poised. I looked at Bungle and I asked him if he knew the game plan. He said he was fully waxed on the task at hand. I knew he was lying about being waxed, but it was too late now and it was time. Now, playing international rugby is one of the most amazing experiences ever. Standing in the tunnel, the feel that you're invincible to pain, it's indescribable. I always say it must have felt like that in the gladiator days, before they went into the Coliseum. Well, that's how I felt on that day at Murrayfield, except I didn't have a fucking sword. The anthems took place as normal, and as normal, I expensed all my energy in the warm-up, and I was now blinded by anger and emotion. If this is how I felt... Imagine how the bungle felt. The whistle blows. We kick off. And as expected, Andy Powell carries the ball at 100 miles an hour. I absolutely smash him into next week. He knocks the ball on and I'm covered in fake tan. It's a scrum. This is it, Jeffrey. This is your fucking time. As we crouch down for the initial impact, the smell is indescribable as my shoulder goes so far up his backside that I'm touching his windpipe. 
The scrum goes forward 25 metres and the ball spits out the back. As I stand up, I am hopeful to see a yard gained. But of course, as the script goes, Madfield's dropped the ball. Wales are now in possession and they've kicked the ball so far down the field it wasn't even worth breaking into a walk. We were fucked. Line out to Scotland. And as you might have expected, I had called the line out to my good self. I must have been 20 foot up in the air and caught the ball one-handed behind my back whilst Alan Wynne-Jones was all over me. Anyway, slow ball. And we get into a set-up play to, yep, here we go. It is game on. Kick. Our first kick of the game. And to be fair to Mad Phil, it was so high it was covered in snow. Now, we worked all week making sure the kick chase was right and the wingers and the fullback on trying to get the ball back. Fuck all chance of that happening, by the way. So I was fully expecting Lee Byrne to catch it and run the length. Well, it didn't happen. What unfolded was something so unexpected that I thought I'd taken a knot putting Andy Powell into next week. For the next 10 seconds, it was like one of them slow motion movies. Within three seconds of that 10 seconds of slow motion, I see the bungle overtaking the kick chase line. But he was running at full speed and everyone else was in slow-mo. What the fuck is going on, I thought. As I let out a scream of, Jeffrey, no! At this point, Lieburn was 10 foot off the floor and Jeffrey was underneath him. It was almost as if Jeffrey was making a beeline for the try line, you know, Forrest Gump style. Before we could say anything else, there was a complete silence in the stadium. What the fuck had just happened? Right, so you can listen to the full episode of that along with loads of other great content, all for less than the price of a pint a month. So head over to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod to check it out. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. What do you guys make of what went down in Cardiff? Hell of a win for Wales. Told you that Wales <laughs> win the Grand Slam. Andy Rowe. I wonder how many people actually, I did the TV, I'm thinking this, so Wales are in the middle of their game of absolutely annihilating Ireland whilst the preview of the um, the games coming on for the England Scotland. I'm thinking, I reckon... No one's watching it. There's not one person watching me <laughs> looking cool and regal as Fook. I look so sharp. And people missed it because Wales were bloody on route to winning a historic Grand Slam. That game, no one predicted Wales to pull Ireland's pants down as much as they did, did they? Not like that. The errors that... Uh, you know, Ireland produced off the back of the pressure from Wales. That's coaching to win games. Sean Abbas is defence. Hell of a defence coach he is. I've heard, I've heard he's going to Wasps, could he? Through the grapevine. Through the grapevine. Through the grapevine that he's not going to Wigan anymore, he's going to Wasps. I don't know anything. In the kebabish, knuckle dusters on. He don't even need knuckle dusters. Tackle takers. Yeah, imagine him. Tackle takers and kebabish. He's putting someone through that kebabish window, <laughs> isn't he? That gives him any shit. That Polish going up my mate, FNL, Mike out. So, yeah, I mean, they were, Wales were. Intense, you know, the first minute when Hans comes to put that little chip kick in, you know, everything went for Wales. The passion, the stadium was, you know, why Ireland didn't say, let's close the fucking roof, it's going to be pissing down the rain. I've got no idea. I don't know what this big battle is about the roof every time. Just close it. What's the difference? Have you guys played under both situations? Like, why would you want one over the other? Um, I think because Wales always want it closed because the atmosphere is ridiculous in there. It right. reverberates yeah, it around. It's amazing. It's the best atmosphere, I think, in world rugby. Um, when the principality's full, you know, they're obviously singing Land of My Fathers and all that stuff. It's unbelievable. So I think they say, oh, because Wales want it closed, we're going to keep it open so we win that mental battle. You know, there's a lot of chat going into the game that Bigger should have started or whatever. Danscombe's got this love-hate relationship with the Welsh press uh, and the Welsh fans. He's got no fans! But in reality... The balance with Anscombe and Bigger there as you know, when, when George North goes off, you know, you've got 
kicking options you've got, pass options you've got, two game managers. Wales didn't put a foot wrong, I don't think, did they? Mate, I, again, I'll say sorry one more time, one last time. I'm sorry. Did not see Wales winning the Grand Slam. And emphatically, see, that's a good word. Hey, talking about words, I just mentioned emphatically there. You're talking about words. What, so, what was the word you just said? Emphatically. Yeah, well done. So the dictionary yep. has been rewritten today, or not rewritten. There's a few words been changed, some which I don't really want to talk about because I have to be careful about what we say. Do you know what they've added to the English dictionary? Um, Scottish word. Ball bag. Spout B-A-W. Bag. Ball bag. Oh, not as in ball bagged. Let's get ball bagged. Well, you can use that, yeah. So Ouija has been added to the official English dictionary and also ball bag, which means... The scrotum or the ball bag. Get it? Anyway, I mean, sorry, emphatic win. Who, who would you say um, uh, was the most impressive out of the Welsh pack apart from Elwyn Jones, of course? James, you're a, a forward, a connoisseur of forward play. Well, Moriarty, I said I had him in my rugby past 15. Um, Rob Evans. Rob Evans, love him. Well, I love him because his brother beat me in a chop off, that's why. Yeah. So I've basically given his brother a life. Yeah. He embarrassed you, Jim. Well, then he put his empty pint on your head while you're still finishing yours. Well, he's good you know, Well, I'm watching his brother do great things. I thought this is the, this is Rob's. I don't even know his brother's name. That's how little we know about Rob Evans' brother. And I said, "This is your moment, mate, to make history," and that he did. Well, we couldn't find the uh, details, the contact details to get Rob Evans' brother on to speak about the chop off. But we got the the next big uh, next best thing in uh, Welsh. And Grand Slam winner Rob Evans is actually on the phone now. Thank you for joining us. Hey, how's it going? Rob, Rob, can... Rob, is that really you or not? That, well, it could be me or my brother. We sound pretty much the same, so you have to work it out. I mean, how good was your brother dominating Jim Hamilton on a chop-off? I've never seen anyone drink a pint faster. I know, I was, I was proud of that myself. I reckon I'd take Jim as well, though. Yeah, it wouldn't be hard, mate. It wouldn't be hard. Now, tell me, obviously, massive result winning the Grand Slam at the weekend. We're just talking about chopping pints. How good was the night out yeah. on Saturday night after that? Yeah, it was pretty loose, mate. Didn't have much sleep on Saturday. A couple hours in the hotel and then got straight back on it on the Sunday. Then. Happy days. So, Did you not see me doing ITV then for the, the, the big game, the England-Scotland game after, no? I don't imagine you saw me on TV, no? Oh, no, I didn't see it. But uh, I got it on recording. Let me know. <laughs> let, let, let me know what you think. There's a certain post-match interview that we've seen uh, where you're enjoying yourself behind Gareth Davis as well. Do you want to talk yeah. us through that one? Yeah, it's just got a little bit horny at the time. So, uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not one for hiding my expressions, you know, so uh, I just went for it, really. Lovely touch, lovely touch. Uh, mate, just talk to us about Alan Wynne-Jones. We yeah. knew he was a bit of a hero, a bit of a legend before, but after the kind of weekend, for a few other reasons, he cemented himself in that, obviously with the mascot, we saw that, and he's now been given the freedom of Swansea. I mean, what the hell does that actually mean? What Does that mean he can just walk around bollock naked? What does it mean? Well, we talked about this earlier. Like, what, what does it actually mean? But it pr- probably means, like, you know, I don't know, you can do some free photocopying in the library or something. <laughs> uh, um, it's, not, it's not really my cup of tea, but, um, yeah, happy days. But, yeah, him as a bloke, I haven't really got many other words to describe him other than a legend, really. Hell of a bush, though, give us something. He's actually got no hair on him. Oh, of course he hasn't. Of course he hasn't. He's got no hair on his head and he's got no hair down below either. Of course what a he legend. hasn't. The guy's got a lot. What a he's, legend. He's swinging around the baby's arm though all the time. Oh, <laughs> damn. I hate him now. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. Now, um, obviously, talking about the 
the the Grand Slam and it was the Warren Gatlin's last Six Nations. How good's he been for you uh, in terms of your career? Because it's come on leaps and bounds over the last few years under Gats. And how much are you yeah. going to miss him post World Cup? Yeah, he's been brilliant, especially as campaign. Um, He's just been brilliant, really. Just the way he manages the boys, like man management skills are brilliant. And, um, you know, he asks the boys how they're feeling and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I thought on the weekend, obviously, it was his last Six Nations games. But um, but he said uh, it was all about the boys and stuff. And, yeah, I can't really speak too much either of him, really. So. And um, you're known for liking a bit of a chat on the field and you're pretty vocal on the pitch. Um, yeah. Have your battles been with the likes of Carl Sinclair? Was it you that got him to lose his head and, and tag furlong and stuff during the tournament? <laughs> uh, they're both good boys. Um, both both brilliant players. And they, um, yeah, I think we haven't been banter, me and Sinks, but um, he was giving a bit back as well. So uh, I think it was down to maybe all the boys, not just me. Yeah, my my breath might have done it. Though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate, just a, a, a chat. I know it's probably a little bit of old news, and um, just the whole situation of of you Welsh players with all the the chat that was going on about the regions and stuff like that in camp. How difficult was that to focus your minds on on obviously trying to win a Grand Slam? Yeah, it was um, it was a bit of a strange one at the start of the week because um, you know it was rumours flying about, and then we had a meeting saying that it was the Scarlet Ospreys were actually going to merge together and. Obviously, half half the other boys would have to go to North Wales or whatever. So um, it was quite disrupting at the start of the week. But um, you know, at the end of the week, obviously we had Scotland away and we're still on for a Grand Slam. So um, we got to Thursday, we just had to put it to the back of our minds, which our win again was great at um, getting the boys focused and stuff. And um, yeah, managed to do a job in Scotland and then set us up for the Island game. And then just uh, for, for our listeners, what else goes on in camp? Because we hear you're a bit of a card player, but you've lost a shed load of cash to Liam Williams over the tournament. Yeah, it's been a bit of a tricky one. I've just remortgaged the house. Cause, uh, <laughs> Sam just buying a new man- man- mansion in London or something. But uh, now we play a lot of gin rummy um, in our spare time. But uh, Sam's isn't actually that good, though. He, he, he likes to think he's a lot better than what he is, and he's always keen, but... He's, he's not even that good, so I'd probably done better than him in it altogether. So, how's Wayne Pivak managed you guys coming back into the Scarlet squad after the the weekend? Ah, uh, Wayne's been good. Um, yeah, we we obviously gave us Monday off because he thought most of us would be hungover, uh, <laughs> which you were. Which, yeah, which we were. <laughs> good. Um, we actually turned up hungover on Tuesday as well, so you <laughs> quite expected that one. But now um, we, we trained Tuesday and. Um, He's given some boys uh, a bit of time off that um, are playing a little bit more than others and then obviously certain positions and stuff. But, uh, yeah, me, Ken and Gar are on the bench tomorrow night. Um, and I think Foxy and Parksy have had got a bit of time off. And then obviously, um, you know, it's, I know it's a big game, big derby for us, but hopefully um, if we can get a result there, we got another big game then against uh, Edinburgh then. So, um, yeah, that'll be a tasty one. I think all the boys will be back for that. All right, Rob, well, thank you very much for joining us. Best of luck for the rest of the season with Scarlets and, uh, of course, the World Cup later on this year. Sweet. Cheers. Cheers, Pat. We'll yeah. see you at a live show for a chop-off with your brother, who's a legend. He beat Jim Hamilton, and Jim Hamilton didn't think Wales was going to win any games in the Six Nations. Thanks, mate. Yeah, cheers, Tell mate, your brother I'm coming from him. <laughs> and tell Alan Wynne-Jones I hate him. Hung like an absolute arm. What the hell? Go figure. Alan Wynne-Jones, the only thing that he's got mate, I, that he can improve on is his lid. I can help him there. Mate, for me... He's hung like a baby's arm. He's got absolutely zero bush. He's given his coat 
to the mascot because he's shivering. He plays like a Trojan. He's hung like a Trojan. He's everything I'm not, that man. <laughs> he's like everything I'm not. You've I got more hair on the top of your head. You've got a better beard and more hair on the top of your head, though. I feel so inferior now, though. <laughs> Genuinely. He is like the ultimate man. He really is. You oh. seem deflated now, Jim. Well, I do, mate. Yeah, I do. I like, literally, I feel, you know, Rob Evans' brother dominated me. Yep. Alan Wynne Jones is dominating. Well, he's dominating most people. He's dominating life, isn't he? Yeah, he is. So, fair play to him. Yeah. Good on you, Rob. I love the way he came on and he, he said, Yeah, we got smashed on the Saturday. Went again on the Sunday. And there's the England boys getting in trouble for just going out on a Saturday night. Yeah, that's what it's about. That's, that's Gatland. Gatland's like that. We win big, we drink big. That's what teams need. I that just sort don't of thing. get it, good. Anyway. It's, you know, fair play. The Welsh boys fully deserve the Grand Slam. You know, apparently I heard they had a, a blow up doll of uh, Johan Huja and Val Mahina carrying around with them because they effectively helped them win that first game in 16 France. 16-0 down they were at yeah. half-time against France. Who yeah. who would have thought? Am I surprised after they beat France they've gone on to win the Grand Slam? No. Was I surprised that they came back from 16-0 down at half-time to beat France away from home in round one? 100% yes. And like Gat said after the game, this team forgot has forgotten how to lose. And you can just see, like, the camaraderie, the boys get on the piss together and just loving life under Gats. Gats is a coach... That I've never played under Gats. You know, you speak to loads of lads that have been coached by him. I don't know one bloke that has been coached by him that would have a bad word to say about him. Yeah, not as anything. You know, Warren Gatland is his record. Well, he's one of the greatest coaches the, ever. Yeah, he's probably the best, one of the best coaches in the world over the last fifteen years. Yeah, um, he's going to be a massive loss to Wales. Yeah, massive. huge. Imagine that Pivac taking over, and you're like, oh, the, 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 task. the, the, the task. Imagine Wales win the World Cup, right? Which they can, without really? a sh- without a shadow of doubt. Of course they can. They're Six Nations ch- Grand yeah, Slam champions. Yeah, yeah. yeah, someone to win it. Someone's got to have to beat New Zealand. Now Wales haven't beaten New Zealand in God knows how long, but, but, they, I, but, but Ireland have. But New Zealand might get beat by South Africa. Exactly. So mm. you know this World Cup now. Imagine if you're the Welsh, you get to a final or the semi, or you, know, you even win it, and your Grand Slam. And then there you go, Wayne Pivac. The job's yours. All the best. <laughs> You know, the impossible it's, task. It's, yeah. Um, so, Gatland, and I, I've said it, I've tweeted about it, give him the England job. How good would England be with, Mate, with Warren Gatland as head true, coach? Very true. Mate, what he did in New Zealand with the Lions tour, and we were there, Goody, yeah. was phenomenal. Yeah. Under the kind of pressure that he was under. They talk about, uh, you hear Rob Evans talk about man management and going around and making, asking the players if you're all right, how you're feeling kind of thing. How important is that for players to, to have a coach that does that? Oh, it's massive. It's everything, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's different players as well. It's been have, having that ability of knowing what certain players need, whether they need an arm around them, whether they need a rocket at them to fire them up. It is, you know, Gatlin's obviously got it down to a T, hasn't he? But yeah. he's also built a coaching team around him. He did that for the Lions as well. He's quite smart in who he brings in. Obviously, Roundtree doing the Lions with him. You know, Howley, they're clearly Farrell. quite tight. You know, Farrell on the Lions tour as well. Sean Edwards, they're obviously very tight. And it isn't just about him. It's about what he brings in. The performance, whoever runs the performance for Wales, um, the physios and all that. But man management is everything. And we've worked under coaches where you're like, brilliant. Brilliant coach, the way that he speaks with you. And we've worked with some absolute horrors. You know, Fabian Gautier. Speaking he's to going back to the, could be going back to the French... National team as a consultant. Yeah, Mate, and I was speaking to Philip Saint Andre about it today, and I was like, "It's crazy." It's crazy. Je anyway. Ne sais pas. Yeah, je ne sais pas, but, you, 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 bon. but you talk just a little thing on Gatlin and, and the coaching group. Think of all the stick that Rob Howley's had over the years. You know, from when he took, did the job for Wales, when Gatlin took a bit of a sabbatical because of the Lions, and you know the abuse that 
certain players have given Rob Howley off the back of a Lions tour. They weren't slagging off Gatland, they were going at Howley. Howley is one of Gatland's right-hand men, right-hand men, and he stuck by him and, you know, part of a successful coaching group with a, a good environment, a good vibe. Sean Edwards in there. Bobby, who is the uh, sort of fitness head of S&C there, a good northern lad, mad as a box of frogs, was with Gats at Wasps, um, and he's taking him over there. Bobby went and did Bobby Stridgen. He did England, then he Gats was like, he's my man, I'm, I'm taking him to Wales. So they've got, you know, the makeup of their coaching department and it, that filters into a team that it must be a special environment to be part of. Wales seem to finish off quite convincingly in the in the Six Nations. Is there now a gap between Wales and the rest of the Six Nations teams, or do you think they kind of just they worked it tough and scraped through quite a few of those games? That's exactly what happened. You know, Ireland were for me the biggest disappointment, not because well Scotland where they finished fifth. You know. it, mate, it's gone. It's, it's coming out. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's home. <laughs> it came home for a day, and then you took it back. Yeah, I think for me, the biggest disappointment was Ireland, the way that England beat them in game one and then they were just shell-shocked for the rest of the championship. Like that, that, that's the kind of bigger talking point. You know, Wales, when I watched Wales, I was the whole time, I know they won the Grand Slam, mate, they were good, they were very good. There was points of that defensively, you know, the unity that they showed and the last game against Ireland, they were phenomenal. But I wasn't looking at it and thinking there's a huge divide between the two, 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 like between the two teams, between the other teams, but between obviously England and Ireland. You know, the way that England played in that first half against Scotland was phenomenal. The way that England played against Ireland was phenomenal. Mm. I haven't seen Ireland put in a performance where they looked phenomenal. Even again, you know, maybe France parts of it. I don't think the divide's there. I think that you know, talking of the World Cup, we're going into it. It's it's crazy how how open it is. I'd say the divide is there between obviously. Set, set themselves apart from Italy and France. Yeah, I know France. Yes, finished, I know France. Hey. I know France finished above Scotland, uh, and Scotland just to remind people finished fifth in the Six Nations this year. How many injuries they have, and they took exactly, the Calcutta Cup home. exactly. And France, you just never know with France. You get mm. to a World Cup, and they may just rock up. And Mate, they've and got go some well. fantastic young players. They have, but the coach is an absolute they, joke. They need to. They, they they need to get rid of all that. They yeah. really do. Bernard Ledore. Ber- Bernard Ledore. Bernard Laporte. Oh, okay. Yeah, the it, door. Is that what the La- door? Laporte is the door. Is it? Yeah. Did not know In that. French. You blow my mind. <laughs> Genuinely. Yeah. Well, someone needs to show Bernard Laporte. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Um, he's, he's actually been mentioned about trying to get Warren Gatland to be the French head coach no post World Cup. Gats don't that. do it, mate. I imagine Gats got a liver bush, though. <laughs> Did Italy ever have a chance of. Tipping over France. And yeah, they did. Oh, Dropped the ball over the it. line. Would have loved it. Marco Zanon drops the ball over On the line. On his debut. That could have been his moment. What was it, 74 minutes or something? Yeah. Um, I, th- I thought I, th- I thought Italy were going to beat France. I called it before, mm. and uh, I know France got a, a runaway try at the end. Yeah. Yeah, not too much to talk about with it, really. Italy have performed. I feel this Six Nations, I know the results haven't gone their way, but performance, slightly better. Apart from the England game. The England game was... Their lowest point of the Six Nations, which will hurt Catty and Conor O'Shea uh, with their history in England. But yeah, it's hard to judge Italy, isn't it, really? Because they're still where they are. Sixth, bottom, didn't win a game. But I'm a big believer in pl- having a playoff game with Georgia, who won the B Six Nations again. But I spoke to Roundtree about it, and he said he'd, no, he's, yeah, he, he, said he, he, he doesn't think it will work. He thinks they'll get hosed. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's the... That sixth team, it's always between Scotland and, uh, oh, and Italy. Mate. Oh, goody. You can't be being horrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Well, shall we wrap up the Six Nations now and, and, and have a look at 
maybe who would get your vote for player of the tournament? Well, in my rugby pass Six Nations 15, I picked a few outside of the box that people might not have thought I put bigger at 10. You can't look past Wynne Jones for the reasons that we spoke about and, the, and what Rob Evans told us. You just can't. The man is an absolute... Beast. Beast. He's in beast mode. He really is. Um, other standout players, Curry. Yeah, I thought Tom Curry, at the age of 20 years old, was absolutely phenomenal. I, I really do. I thought he, he was he was class. Stuart McAnally for Scotland. What about you know, that finish? Mate, ridiculous. But he, he's he been Scotland's best player for the whole championship. Yeah. You know, he's coming as captain. And speaking frankly, Scotland haven't been very good this Six Nations, but we still won the Calcutta finish Cup. Finish fifth. There you go. Mate, finish fifth, don't matter, mate. Calcutta Cup's coming home and we're in, a, we're in a much better position than England going into the World Cup off the back of that. <laughs> Picking one player out. You keep arousing people, James. Picking one player out, you've got to go Alan Wynne-Jones. Yeah, that's fair. Um, go for a back. Yeah, I mean, looking around the backs, Ireland backs didn't really perform, did they? No. England's backs, Johnny May had a good start to the tournament, but then sort of tailed off at the end. Manu deserves a shout. Manu, yeah, but he was... You know, he didn't do masses against Scotland because no, Johnson played exceptionally well for Scotland. Wales, Josh Adams, you know, he was part of the catalyst that turned that first game against France. He made the break uh, back inside around the ruck, which uh, I think it was George North's first try, which got them starting to believe again. And off the back of that, you know, his performances, while you're not looking at him going, you've ripped it up week in, week out, if you watch the detail of what he does... Airily, how good is he in the air? In the air, receiving kickoffs and, and you know, sometimes wingers... Receive a kickoff, run five metres, get tackled, stop there. He's pumping his legs and beating off defenders and making an extra five, ten metres, which just then allows less pressure to be on the kickers, your exit strategy, whatever, whatever. So if you actually watch the detail of what he does in a game, tracking lines, defensive work, like Jim said, aerial work, I'm going to say Josh Adams. And that finish against Scotland. Yeah, I love the finish. Quite lucky. But... What, what was your favourite part of the tournament? I, mate, Driving the, the... the Calcutta Cup down with James Hamilton. That was my, um, one of my worst moments. The whole the whole way down, he's like this. <laughs> well, that's why I've eaten the Andy Goo diet for two days. <laughs> uh, for me, hands down, one of the best experiences I've had as, in my career as a player and a fan was that second half at Twickenham. Um, watching the, the, the revitalisation of the Scotland team off the back of some wise interaction between a former player and... It was an incredibly proud moment for me. Did you just take credit for Scotland's comeback? Yeah, of course he has. <laughs> so what happened there? Yeah, I, I don't want to take credit, Andy. I mean, if, if, you, if you're saying that, then <laughs> I'd understand why. But I don't want to take credit. But for me, in the context of the World Cup coming up, the amount Scotland of injuries Scotland got... Scotland came fifth. That performance in the second half was immense. It was an unbelievable game of rugby to watch and be there and... I've gone around all the... I, I, I'm making friends again in, in corporate hospitality suites. Uh, I hosted one. I interviewed Ryan Wilson. And obviously it was off the back of all those pictures oh, last year. So. He's a top bloke. You know, again, proper London accent. He, he ain't Scottish. Well, like Marla said, none of us are good enough to play for England, but you're getting smashed by Scotland now, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so I was chatting to him. Uh, that was great. But I, yeah, I, I've got a problem. I don't think Mike Brown likes me at all anymore. Why? Um, I was interviewing Brownie before the game and, you know, obviously we had Ryan Wilson and Mike Brown there and we're chatting about last year's Calcutta Cup game and how the Scots went to town their celebrations and trying to get a bit of banter between them. And Brownie just goes, yeah, thanks for reminding me of that, Goody. That's the last time I played fullback for England. Why is it oh. horrible? What, I was just like, like, why is it horrible? I didn't even know. I'm like, I'm Brownie, I'm so sorry, but our shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? So, uh, uh, my favourite moment, but it was a hell of a game, wasn't it? You know, you won't see anything like that again or for a long time. England in round one. 
it, yeah, England's best performance, Ireland away, was phenomenal. But yeah, I suppose, you, you know, in reality, Wales were the best team. Seeing their comeback in the first game and then seeing the growth of belief that they've got and how they dispatched Ireland to win the Grand Slams. Loads of pressure on that last game. Loads of expectation, loads of pressure. Ireland coming to town as the current Grand Slam champions. You know, the history of Gatland being the ex-Ireland coach and some of the Irish boys slagging off Rob Howley off the Lions and all this stuff. And uh, Wales changing their vote for the World Cup. It should have been, they said they were going to vote for Ireland and didn't. Ireland rock up and Wales just wiped the floor with them. So uh, you've got to go Wales as, you know, that, that Grand Slam game, seeing the stadium and and the passion and the fun, as Rob Evans said after the game that they had, getting absolutely hosed. Well, when, talking of hose, Wynne Jones would have been the one mopping that floor. <laughs> with his. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely love it. Thank you, Rob. Should we have a look at the rumour of what's going on in the world of rugby? Rumours at the moment. Well, I mentioned, didn't I? It's gathering. Can you feel it? What's Can gathering, you hear James? it? Sean Edwards. Gathering what? Momentum. Yes. To go to Wasps. Who, frankly, mate, Wasps are struggling, aren't they? They are. What are you on about, Jim? Well, they are. They are. They're struggling. So to get someone like Sean Edwards would be a great coup. Sean Edwards is also speaking to many other people. But I, I, uh, I think... Wales now, the WRU are saying we need to talk to him. Oh, God, yeah, that all kicked off, didn't they? Between yeah. him and him and Pivak. So Who we shall see. We Watch this space, everyone. Who else we've got? Well, you mentioned Gautier. Gareth Anscombe. He, he had a bit yeah, of a spat this week, didn't he? He did. So he came out. He's not happy with the the new sort of tiering system with how the Welsh boys get paid. I can say that now, can't I? Yeah. He can say that. I found out, so I heard, what the Welsh boys got paid for winning the Grand Slam. Go on. 130 grand a pop. What? Yeah. Just for that? Would you... I mean, like, just... Oh, <laughs> there he is. No, I mean, like, just, just, just for winning the Grand Slam, not I counting your other match fees. No, I think that's everything. The that's everything. Well, so yeah. Mate, look at the arrogant key. Is that rate. all they did? Is that it? Under, are you loaded? Are you unloaded, <laughs> are you? 130 grand. Fair play to him. Have you got any goody? You mentioned Fabian Gautier to France, which would be hilarious. No, I mean, my big one this week is Gareth Anscombe to Bath. And Quinns are signing a few as well, aren't they? Quinns will be better again next year. Yeah, they will. Especially when you've got your tattoo of Joe Marler on your arse, Jim. Well, we will see. It's all Paul Gustard. And unfortunately for him, his hair has not grown through. So you're saying that Guzzi's had a hair transplant that's not worked? It seems that way. Uh, for, I'm at, only going on visuals. And look at mine. Well done, you. Thank you very he much. He looks much better than you, though. Right, well, let's get into the good, the bad and the ugly, which is brought to you this week by the guys at Budgie Smuggler. Summer's coming, and that means it's the season to be smuggling. Get it? They've got a good deal actually going on at the moment for RugbyPod listeners. Just quote RugbyPod and they'll do a custom design for you free of charge if you put in a minimum order of 10 units or if you just want one of their standard range, then enter the code RugbyPod when you check out at BudgieSmugglerUK.com and that'll give you free overnight shipping. And I am going to get on there straight away and I'm going to ask for an Alan Wynne-Jones pair of Budgie Smugglers. Was that got like an elephant's trunk on it Mate, as well? <laughs> whatever, I'm just asking for it. Uh, I've got some budgies ready for next week. Have you? Off to Dubai. Um, (laughs) 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 Taking the family off to Dubai next week. Six weeks after Andy Goo doing... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I've um, got to apologise to the thousands, hundreds of thousands of listeners. I won't be here next week. I'll be in Dubai on the beach with my budgies on. And I should be here with the uh, hangman, Freddie Burns. He's a top boy, Freddie, isn't he? Anyway, the good. Uh, Plenty of good as ever. Northampton. We'll start there for stepping up and smashing Saracens uh, to win the Premiership Cup after being battered by them on numerous occasions recently, shipping 50 points pretty regularly over the last 
18 months, but they stood up and were counted this weekend, winning their first trophy under Chris Boyd. Other good news, John Barkley finally set to make his Edinburgh debut this weekend. Great to see him back fit and firing. Go on, John. Big fan of the pod. Where else? Let's go over to the women's game, shall we? Italy's women finished second in the Six Nations. Yeah, they did, yeah. That's a hell of a shout-out to them. But, and the great news around the women's game is the Red Roses, England's ladies' team, completed the Grand Slam in style by smashing Scotland. <laughs> 80 points to nil, <laughs> What was it? 80 points to nil. It's Twickenham. coming home, though. So we had... Uh, so we had Sarah Hunter on here last week, uh, the skipper. They've gone on to dispatch Scotland and win the Grand Slam, so good on the girls. What else is good? Well, let's talk about Scotland. We'll stick with Scotland and we'll stick them in the good for their second half comeback, coming down from 31-0 down to retain the Calcutta Cup for the first time since 1984. And it's literally like they've won the World Cup. But let's not forget Scotland, you finished fifth, uh, so don't get too far ahead of yourselves. Um, the good this week can only really go to one area of the game. It's the whole of Wales. Warren Gatland in particular for becoming the first coach to win three Grand Slams. Shout out to Sean Edwards as well for getting his 50th winner's medal in his career. 36 in rugby league and now that was his 14th winner's medal in rugby union. He is very decorated, isn't he? Uh, Alan jones for wrapping uh, his seven-year-old mascot up in his training top because he was shivering during the anthems. Uh, so the good this week goes to Wales. Everything Welsh. The lamb, the sheep, the lot of them. Wales, Wales, we tip our hats to you. Tip of the slipper, tip of the hat, the Welsh get the good this week. The bad only, I'm, I'm going for two bits of bad this week, that's it. Uh, we're going to start with Ireland. We don't often mention them in the bad or any of their teams or any of their coaches, but Ireland, have, they've gone from people talking about them as favourites of the World Cup back in November after their autumn series beating the All Blacks to a shadow of their former selves at the minute. Um, that doesn't win the bad this week. The bad goes to Eddie Jones' half-time team talk. Because whatever he said, <laughs> England were winning 31-7 and we draw the game. Eddie, are you okay? Are you okay, yeah, Eddie? Eddie, are you okay? Are you okay? No. Eddie, you're getting the bad this week. You've been hit by... And that, well, we probably shouldn't sing Michael Jackson's song now, but... Oh, yeah. Um, Sorry. Yeah. So the bad this week goes to Eddie. People say, Eddie, are you okay? No. I'm not sure he is. Uh, the ugly. Only one ugly thing, really. It's really sad news, uh, to be honest. Dan Robson being diagnosed with blood clots. I saw that. Yeah, so he missed out on the Scotland game, but the bigger picture obviously is um, the longer-term effects on him and his body and, and being able to bounce back. Is it World Cup in doubt from now? A, a massive thing uh, for Dan to have, so hopefully... Yeah, fingers crossed, Dobby. We um, we see him fit and firing again soon and he can sort the blood clots out because that's a, you know, you look at life in general. Rugby player, you get an injury, you come back, but blood clots... Um, very serious on, yeah. on your health so uh, Dobby Dan Robson I know you listen to the show week in week out get well soon my friend thanks Goody thanks Jim and thank you very much for listening as well we said last week we'd send out a rugby pod cap to the best review we got on iTunes this week uh, so have you guys picked one out yeah Michael Bedley wrote a poem for us did he yeah and I'm just going to read the start of it for you okay Goody's belly and Cavey's bibs whoever wins Jim will say dibs do you get it in, in cribs. Because <laughs> every time someone wins, you You're like, Dibs, that's my team, that's my team. I, I told oh, you, I told I you. I get it, yeah. I told All you. Right. So anyway, Michael, thanks for the poem. A rugby pod cap is on its way to you. Send us your address on social media or email Michael uh, and a hat will be on its way over to you shortly. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Twitter and check out our Superfans monthly subscription service at patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod as well. Rugby pod. Pod, pod, pod. Uh,